How many of you guys like optical illusions? Anybody? Yeah? Look, I got a couple I want to share with you. You've probably seen these before, especially with the proliferation of the internets. But like this, what do you see? A zoo. You see a zoo, right? Okay, but you see the elephant. Those of you who can't see it, the horse, right, is the elephant's legs. We got a dog, a cat, and don't know why that's there. A mouse and um, an ape in the trunk. You see that? Those of you that may not see that? Pretty cool, huh? Next one. What's the next one? This one's always tripped me out. This one, like, hurts my head when I look at it. Like, which way's up? I don't understand. It looks flat, but it's not flat. Like, it's like, ugh. Does anybody get that? Anybody understand that? No, it hurts my head. Okay, next. How about this one? What do you see? Do you see a guy looking at you? Do you see a guy looking sideways? Do you see his profile? Do you see him looking head on? Who sees him looking head on? Who sees him sideways? Who doesn't see him at all? Okay. Next, that's pretty cool. Next, how about this one? This one we've all seen. You, how many of you see the young lady? How many of you see the old lady? Yeah? Do you see it? Do you guys see the old lady? Anybody that sees the young lady see the old lady? How about the other way around? Do you guys see both of them? Yeah? You don't see either one of them? All right. Well, I, see the, I see the young lady. See her nose is right here, up here, and that's her neckline. That's her hair. She's wearing like a, a thing. I don't, know what, I don't know what you call that. That's girl territory. I don't, guys don't wear stuff like that, so we don't have to know the names. It's all cool. What's the next one? How about this one? How many of you guys see a person? How many of you guys see the word liar? You all need saved. That's what that is. I think Jesus is trying to tell you all something. I'm not the prophet, but maybe. I'm just kidding. Do you guys see the person? Do you see that the L is, the two, is actually eyes? And then the mouth is the A? And the eye is the nose, the IR, the eye is the nose right there. Do you see that? Isn't that cool? All right, what's the next one? Do we have any more? Is that it? Oh, I thought I had five. We don't have five? Okay. Did I miscount it? It's all good. Anyway, how many of you guys, you love obstacle illusions, right? What's so cool about obstacle illusions is that every single one of us can see something different. And that's what they're designed to do is to see something different. And it's really cool. It kind of messes with your mind. Literally, when I started looking at these things, just looking, I'm like, whoa, mind blown kind of stuff. And imagine if I was tripping, how crazy this would be, right? I mean, it's just nuts. But obstacle illusions really mess with your head. But here's the bottom line is once somebody points out something, you start to see it. Those of you that couldn't see the face when we said liar, when we pointed out, you all of a sudden saw the face, right? Or when you couldn't see the old lady, you saw the young lady, vice versa. Once somebody communicated with you what exactly was happening, you were able to see it. And today I want to talk about a shift. Say, shift is coming. I believe with all my heart that a shift is coming into your life. A shift is coming into Legacy Church. A shift is coming to Canal, Lancaster, Carroll, and the surrounding areas. I believe it with everything within me that a shift is coming. But we need to shift personally. And the thing I want to talk to you about shifting today is shifting your perspective. Shifting your perspective. Say perspective. Because based on your perspective is what you saw in these illusions, right? Every single, one of, every single one of you saw something different. But it's all about your perspective, right? Um, and, and so I want to talk to you about Paul. Anybody heard of Paul in the Bible? Paul, Paul's a pretty cool guy. Um, he used to murder Christians. He was awesome. Um, he used to go around destroying churches. He was like the first Hitler that was around him. He was bad to the bone, dude. He really was. And then he had this experience where Jesus knocked him off his horse, met him, talked to him face-to-face kind of thing, and uh, it changed his life forever. So he ended up spending his life 
what the, the, all the passion he had to destroy the church, he flipped that, he shifted it, and he started working to build the church. Everything about his life was about building the church, building the kingdom of God, and bringing people that are far from God closer to God. That, that was his whole thing. So here's Paul, and he was persecuted. He was put in jail many times. He was beaten almost nearly to death. He should have died on several occasions, but he didn't for whatever reason. And, and he continued to preach the gospel. No matter, what, no matter what threats were on his life, no matter what he had to endure, he continued to preach the gospel. At one point, he even said, it doesn't matter if you kill me, that's fine. To live is Christ, to die is gain. He said, either way, I win. No matter what you do to me, I win. So Paul's perspective about building the kingdom of God was very different than what I would say ours might be in today's world because he was willing to die and he didn't care because he knew that either way it would benefit the church. And that's how he attacked life. So here's Paul. Once again, he's arrested and he finds himself before court and him being a Roman citizen, he thought he might be being tried unfairly. So he decided to appeal to Caesar. As a Roman citizen, he had that right. So he appealed to Caesar. He said, hey, look, you guys, I'm going to go to Caesar. I want Caesar to, to, um, to decide on this case that is before me because I trust him because I'm Roman. I don't trust you guys because you have a vendetta against me. Basically, is what's happening here, okay? That's a brief synopsis, but that's what's happening. So, so we pick it up. So here he is. They didn't have cars. They didn't have planes. They didn't have automobiles. What they had were ships. They, they sailed everywhere that they went. They either sailed or they walked or they rode horses, whatever the case may be. And so he's before the court, and they just, he appealed to Caesar, so he had to go to Caesar. So in order to do that, there was this long journey ahead of him. He gets into this boat. And before they were getting ready to head into the boat, he has this vision. God kind of shows him and said, look, don't go that direct. You don't want to go there now because the storms are coming. It's storm season. It's winter. And you're probably not, the ship's not going to survive. Who knows what's going to happen? And so he goes up to the guys that are in charge of the boat. He said, listen, let's not sail right now. We just need to hold up. And the boat owners and all that, they said, nope, we're going to go ahead and do this. We don't trust you. We think you're just trying to buy time so you don't get put in prison. So they don't listen to him. So they get into the boat, and here's where we pick it up in Acts 27. They're going through it, and a storm starts, ha- starts coming. And so it says right here, it says that when a gentle south wind began to blow. So basically the wind shifted. Everybody say shift. A shift is coming. Listen, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. So they started going along the shore because they see it's coming. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. That's a bad storm. They're tying the boat together. This is literally what's happening, okay? They're tying the boat together. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sibsius, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. So, so we have the storm coming. And it actually says they, they, had to have their, they were fighting against the storm at one point, And then they decided to say, you know what? This is probably a, a, a futile. We're going to stop. They let the sails down, and they just decided that they were going to let the storm take them wherever they decided to go. They were t- and and, and it, this, hap- this was day upon day, apparently, right? Because it says, after they couldn't see the sun nor the stars, so it was dark for days. Dark for days. They couldn't see the sun or stars. What happens? In verse 20, it says, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. 
See, here's what I want to talk to you about your perspective today. Listen, I understand life is life, right? Sometimes life is awesome. Sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes it's steady. It's smooth sailing. Sometimes the sun is out. The stars are out. It's clear. It's great, right? But there's other times where it's dark. It's cloudy. It's gloomy. And it downright sucks at times. Let's be honest, right, people? Yes? Okay. I'm talking to my people. I just want to make sure. I got a big thumbs up back there. So somebody's with me. It does. And, and I want to talk. So, so we've got to shift our perspective when it comes to our life. Because here's what happened is they began to give up hope. Day after day after day, they got beat by the storm. They got beat by the darkness day after day after day. And so much so that what happened, they began to lose hope. See, and I think we are like that in our lives a lot of times, aren't we? Let's be honest. You, what, you walk in your door after work and you're looking at that spouse that you don't recognize anymore day after day after day. And you're having the same argument day after day after day. You're looking at your bank account day after day after day and nothing changes. You're looking at your kids day after day after day. Why won't you listen day after day after day? That's just my struggle. Right? And if you begin to lose hope, and you're like, man, but Jesus, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be. I'm in church every Sunday. I'm reading my Bible. I'm giving like I'm supposed to be given. I'm in small groups. I'm staying close to fellowship because the Bible says do not forsake the fellowship, right? So I'm staying close to the church. I'm staying close to people. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But day after day after day, I don't see the cloud or stars. I don't see the suns. I can't see the bottom from the top. I have no idea day after day after day. And then we start to lose hope, don't we? We all start to lose hope at some point. And I just want to encourage you today, man, if we're going to shift our perspective, man, we've got, it's kind of like that, that there was this, this, uh, this millionaire, he was a self-made millionaire. He went into Harlem one day and he was talking to a bunch of, he was talking to 59 sixth graders. This, the dropout rate is huge in that area at that point in time. And he, he went in and he's, I don't know what I'm going to say to these guys. So he walks in he says, listen, I want you guys to stay in school. And like, of course, they've all heard that before, right? Okay, so let's stay in school. He goes, but if you do, if you guys graduate, I'll pay for every single one of your educations. He made that commitment. And, and it turns out that this was in sixth grade. And they talked to the graduating class once they graduated. And 90% of that class graduated. 90% of that class went to school free of charge. You know why? Because they talked to one of them. He says, because we finally had We finally had hope. And listen, I want to encourage you today is that you need to hold on to hope. Listen, when it's coming against you, when you've got to tie your ship together because it's bad, you need to hold on to hope. When your finances are are not looking good, you need to hold on to hope. When your marriage is coming apart, you need to hold on to hope. When your job situation looks hopeless, you need to hold on to hope. When your health doesn't look good, you need to hold on to hope. Above all, hope, right? You have to have hope. Hope is the, the evidence, or faith is the th- evidence of things hoped for, is what the Bible says. So you've got to have, in order to have faith, you've got to have hope. Hold on to hope and see what happens in your life. Listen, Romans 8, 28, it's not on the screen. This one's free. It says, and we know that in all things, everybody say all things, God works for the good of those who love him. How many of you love him? God works together for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That needs to give you hope. Listen, it's going to storm in your life. 
You're going to have to tie the boat together at some point in your life, I promise you, because the Bible promises that in this lifetime you will have trouble, right? I don't know how many times I've preached that, but I've preached it a lot. It's truth. You will have trouble, but have hope. Have hope that God will work all things for the good of those who love him. You're going through a situation because he cares more about your character than he does your comfort. Look, he cares way more about you becoming the man and woman of God that he has designed you to be, to get you to fulfill his purposes, than he does about anything you're going through. He just needs that to promote you because you never trust somebody off the limp, right? You never trust somebody who hasn't gone through something. You need to go through something. These trials and the testings that you're going through right now, if you'll just hold on to hope, will produce something good in your life because God promises it. You've just got to hold on to hope. See, Acts 22, 27 says that, 27, 22 says this. But now I urge you to keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Now listen, Paul had this word, right? Before they set sail, he said, look, God showed him this ship is going to crash. And God also said, but you're not going to lose anybody on this ship. So they, Paul got on that boat knowing that they were going to crash. How many of you would do that? Be honest. Two of you would. Okay, no, I wouldn't. I'd be like, God just showed me something, and I'm out. Like, I'd take that as a word that he's saving my life. Y'all going to die. Goodbye, right? I mean, seriously. But, but no, no. Paul, God showed him that they were going to crash, that they were going to wreck in the middle of the sea, and Paul got on that boat anyway because he knew that he had to go through it to get to where he was going. He knew it because if he had not gone on that boat, he never would have fulfilled his destiny and purpose that God had for him on this trip and in his life. Listen, he says, only the ship will be destroyed. So everybody's freaking out. They're throwing things overboard. They're trying to, they're tying the ship together. Everybody, chaos like you've never seen it before. And Paul says, hold on, hold on, just chill. It's going to be okay. I got this. Listen, God told me we're going to wreck, but it's going to be okay. Not one life will be lost, right? Last night, an angel of God, to whom I, whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. There it is. So you've got a purpose, dude. Listen, I'm telling you, I told, you're appealing to Caesar. You're going to see Caesar. Do not worry about what you're about to go through. You need to worry about where you're going. Because this is just a pit stop. This is just something I need you to go through to get you where you need to go on, right? That's how you need to look at your problems. They're obstacles. They're things, and they might be detours, but, but they're not there to stop you. They're not there to kill you. They're not there to beat you down. They're there to strengthen you because God's got a purpose in your pain. Come on, somebody. Listen. So keep up your courage, men. So have faith. Hey, guys, be encouraged. We're going to wreck. It's going to be crazy. It's gonna, who knows what's going to happen? It's going to be scary, but have courage. Have courage, men, for I have faith in God, that it will happen just as he told me. So he didn't say, you guys have to have faith. He said, I got faith. I've got faith, right? Sometimes you're the only one in the room that's going to have faith. Sometimes you're the only one in your family that's going to have faith. Sometimes you just need to stand and say, I've heard from God, and I know that my marriage is going to be healed in the name of Jesus. I've got faith for it. I know he doesn't. I know she doesn't, but I do. I know my kids are going through it right now, but I've got faith that they're going to come back and they're going to serve God. I believe that they're going to be leaders of leaders. They're going to be the greatest leaders that the kingdom of God has ever seen. That's what I believe. I've got faith. I believe no matter what the doctor said, I've got faith for my healing. Come on. You've got to stand in faith when other people won't because your faith will encourage others. Nevertheless, listen, nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. So have faith, this is going to hurt. (laughs) Right? Have faith, this is going to hurt. It's kind of like when your dad spanks you when you're little. He's like, oh, that hurt me more than it hurt you. Then give me the freaking belt, dude. Seriously. Right? 
But, but have faith. You're going to run ground. It's going to happen in your life at some point. You're going to run aground. But have faith. Have courage that God has called you to something. He's got a plan for you. He wants to get you through it. He wants to get you to it. But you've got to stay in faith. You've got to hang on to the word of God that he's given you. What has God told you about your situation? What is he saying through your word? You prayed. You fasted. You've got the word of God. You've got to download for your life. That's all you need. And you need to stay on that in faith. Listen, you, you've, you've just got to be there. It's got, I remember when I was in the hospital, when I was little, I was three years old. I had four brain, four brain uh, abscesses and four lung abscesses. I had pneumonia for 19 months. I wasn't even supposed to live. The doctor said if I did live, I'd never be able to play sports because they're going to take out ribs and get the things and lungs and all this stuff. And it was just going to be bad. And, and, and God did a miracle in my life. And I played sports and I rode bikes and I did everything. Boys, I've never had a problem in my life, Right. And that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Jesus. But listen, I remember, I remember vividly as a three-year-old, there's two things I remember. I remember my play nurse, Nikki. She was hot. I'm just going to say that out there, okay? I remember her, and who knows if she was, but through a three-year-old, I was like, oh, I love playtime. I did. She was awesome. Second thing I'll never forget was being strapped to a table while they put shots and IVs and stuff at me and screaming. And being so scared, not knowing what was going to happen. And seeing my dad standing there and him just in tears and him not knowing what to do. But knowing that I had to go through this if I was going to get better. See, and, and here's what you need to know is that, that you've got to go through some stuff. Your dad knows, man. Your dad knows. God knows what you need. He knows exactly what you need, exactly when you need it, at the time that you need it. It may not be fun. It may not be exciting. He may not even enjoy the process of watching you suffer and going through some of the things you're going through. But I'm telling you that on the other side is a healing that you can never experience if you've not gone through some stuff. That you have got to embrace the pain. C.S. Lewis says it this way. We can rest contentedly in our sins and our stupidities. And everyone who has watched glutton shoveling down the most exquisite food as if they did not know what they were eating will admit that we can ignore even pleasure. But pain... Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Listen, you've got to embrace the pain. I said last week, we're all trying to do two things. We're trying to avoid pain or gain pleasure. That's what we're trying to do in life. That's, that is our constant pursuit as human beings. Avoid pain and gain pleasure. But you need to embrace the pain. Embrace the pain. Quit trying to avoid the pain. That pain may be the very thing that God used to promote you. Listen, God, God will use your pain. He will never waste the pain. He will never waste the hurt. He will never do it. He's bringing you through it so he can get you to it. That's exactly what he's doing with Paul. Paul had to go through some stuff. But he, he knew, Paul knew he had to embrace the pain. Paul knew that he was going to shipwreck. Paul knew that it was going to be tough. Paul knew that it was going to be dark. He knew it. But he also knew that he had a vision for his life. He had a word from God, and he wasn't going to let anything talk him out of that. It didn't matter if his ship was wrecked or not. He was believing God's word. And you just need to stand on God's word, embrace the pain, and go through some stuff. And I tell you, on the other side, it will be incredible. Can we play that video? void that encompasses your present surroundings 
dictates your every moment. A trying tempest. A raging inferno. The vacant dark abyss will not endure forever. Nor the sting of suffering last beyond measure. Indeed, you are inseparable from the flame for now. Entangled in the tension, asking, my God, how? There is purpose here for your own. All the scars coming to amend. You are not alone. And this is not the end. Listen, it's going to be okay. I'm telling you, the sun will come out tomorrow, like that little red-haired orf- red, uh, orphan thing, right? It's going to come out tomorrow. The sun will come out tomorrow. They didn't see sun. They didn't see stars for days. But I promise you, the sun came out eventually. Listen, Acts 28 in the message, it says this. Once everyone is accounted for, so they shipwrecked, and now they got everybody accounted for. And we realized we had all made it. We learned that we were on the island of Malta. The natives went out of their way to be friendly to us. The day was rainy and cold. And we were already soaked to the bone, but they built a huge bonfire and gathered us around it. Paul pitched in and helped. He had gathered up a bundle of stakes, sticks, but when he put it on the fire, a venomous snake roused from its tuper, or whatever that is, by the heat, struck his hand and held on. Seeing the snake hanging from Paul's hand like that, the natives jumped up to the conclusion that he was a murderer getting his just deserts. Paul shook the snake off in the fire, none of the worse for wear. They kept expecting him to drop dead, but when it was obvious he wasn't going to, they jumped to the conclusion that he was a god. The head man in the part of the island was Publius. Publius. He took us in his home as his guests, drying us out and putting us up in fine style for the next three days. His father was sick at the time. Down with a high fever and dysentery, Paul went to the old man's room, and we laid hands on him and prayed. The man was healed. Word of the healing got around fast, and soon everyone, say everyone, everyone on the island who was sick came and got healed. Listen, there's purpose in your pain. There's purpose in your pain. There's people that you're going to cross the paths of that your purpose is going to be to heal their pain. Come on, somebody. Listen, you've got to go through some stuff. Look, Paul had to be on that island. He got detoured onto this island, but the whole island was healed. Because he was willing to get on that boat. He was willing to embrace the pain. He was willing to hold on to hope. And because he was willing to do that, many people came to faith in Jesus that day. Come on, somebody. Listen, I'm here to tell you that God wants to do the same thing in your life. That pain, man, you're going through may not be about you. It may be about somebody else. Listen, and here's what we learned from Paul is that you've got to live the mission. You've got to live the mission. You've got to hold on to hope. You've got to embrace the pain. And you've got, to hold, you've got to live the mission. James says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Produces perseverance. Look, pain is a good thing. It's okay. It's okay. Go through it. It makes you stronger. When you go to the gym, you start your gym. What do you do? You start ripping your muscles and they start growing, don't they? 
Obviously, I don't do that very much, you can tell, but some of you, one of you do, for sure. But you know what I'm saying? You've, you've got to go, pain produces health in the long run. It's a good thing. When we, when we change our perspective about pain, it produces health. It can destroy us or it can build us up. It's up to you. It's all about your perspective. What do you see it as? Do you see it as something that's going to tear you down or do you see it as something that's going to build you up? It's up to you. It's up to you to change your perspective. But when you live life on mission, on mission, then pain is bearable. Pain is okay. It doesn't matter. You can put me through whatever you want to put me through because I've got a word from God that we're going to help those that are far from God realize they don't have to in this city of Canal Winchester. I know what's going to happen. I know the lost are going to be found in this area. I know it. You can bring anything you want toward me. It's okay. I got it because God's got it because I know the vision that he's given us. Come on. That's a good place for you to agree. Come on. It's kind of the story. I had a, there's this pastor I know. Um, he, 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 it's, it's a crazy story. He flies on Sunday afternoons. He flies out to Africa and he spends the entire week in Africa, flies back on Saturday. He builds churches and he plants schools in Africa all year long. He's done this for like 10 years now. This is his life. And, and uh, he loves to take pictures. He's a photographer. And he was taking pictures and, and he realized there's this place where this shark infested area. He loves taking pictures of sharks. He's like, oh, I want to go there. And I don't know who would do that, but he does. And so, so he went to this one area and they dropped him off the boat. So if you just down here, here's where they are. So, so he, they, he, he falls down, you know, he's going down underwater. And as he's going down, he hits the bottom and he's just sitting there. And as he's sitting there, all these sharks start to swarm and come in. And then he moves and they take off. And then he starts, he, he gets still to take care, and then they come in again. And he starts moving, and they leave off, and he comes in again. And he was kind of getting pretty freaked out. Like, why are these sharks, they're not normally this, this invasive. They, they don't normally attack like this. And so he gets up, he takes some pictures, he gets back up into the boat. He said, I don't understand. I've never seen sharks that skittish before. He goes, oh, I forgot to tell you. He goes, this is a burial ground. He said, what the islanders do is they come out. They, they actually bring their dead, and they drop them off here. And the sharks come, and they eat the relatives. Isn't that awesome? So basically, like you could have told me before I went in this water, right? So basically what it is is that, that anything that's dead and lifeless and doesn't have purpose and is gone, it, the sharks come and they take away. But anything that moves, the sharks back away from. Listen, I want to encourage you, live on mission. You've got to move forward. Look, when it's all coming against you, you've got to move forward. When there looks like there's no hope, you've got to move. You've just got to move by faith with everything that you can muster. I don't even feel like getting out of bed this morning. It doesn't matter. The sharks are coming. you just got to move. Listen, the enemy is there. He's creeping around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. you got to give him permission to do that. you just got to move. Just move. Live life on mission, man. I'm building his kingdom today. I don't feel like it. My marriage doesn't look like it. My finances don't feel like it. It doesn't matter. I'm sick. I don't feel right. I don't care. I'm going to move today because I'm not going to let the enemy overtake me because I'm going to live on mission. That's what's going to happen. First Timothy says, but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardships, do the work of evangelists, discharge all the duties of your ministry. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He said, listen, you need to live your life on mission. When you do that, these problems aren't problems anymore. These mountains are now molehills. They're just obstacles in our way to get to our destination. You've got to live on mission, on mission. Hebrews 12, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fix your eyes on Jesus. 
Yeah, but you don't understand, buddy. No, I do. I do understand. I absolutely do understand. But it's a whole lot better when you fix your eyes on Jesus. Well, but, but what about my, fix your eyes on Jesus. But I need, fix your eyes on Jesus. Because everything you need is right there. Everything you need is right there. You just got to stand in faith. You just got to stay connected. You just got to be, pray more, fast more, do more. I'm not saying we do more to get God's grace. I'm just saying stay connected to God. When you don't want to do it, do it anyway. When you can't stand anymore, you know what? You call somebody and say, hey, I need you to prop me up and I need you to help me stand up because I can't do this on my own any longer, right? That's why it says don't forsake the fellowship of others because we need others to get us through the storms of life. We need others to get us through the pain of life. I, you know what the Bible says? Cry with those who cry, laugh with those who laugh. You know what? You need somebody to cry, just call me. We'll cry together. You need somebody to laugh with, just call me. We'll laugh together. Whatever the case may be, we are in this together. As long as we live on mission, we've got to live on mission. Stay focused on Christ. Stay focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You don't have faith, fix your focus, fix your perspective, and I promise you, you'll see success. I promise you. It may not be today. You may, it may be dark for days, but there will come a time where you will see the light. There will come a time where you'll see, you'll, you'll see the breakthrough in your life, but you've got to stay in faith. Hold on to hope, embrace the pain, and live the mission. That's what it's all about. If we'll do that, life will be so much better. Right? Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, I just ask that you would do a work in our lives, God, that, that, that we won't be, be people looking for pain. But, Lord, we will be people looking for hope in our pain. We will be people looking for purpose in our pain. We will be people holding on to faith when we want to let go, Father. Lord, I just ask that you would do a work in our lives, God, that every single person in this room, no matter what they're going through right now, Father, that you will give them hope once again. Give them faith once again. Encourage them once again. Help them to pick up their dreams once again, Father. Lord, do what only you can do in their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen.